Some of us wouldn't even be here today, but God. If God has done anything for you, come on and put those hands together. Old song, I'm an old soul. Old song just kind of rings in my heart. It just says, thank you, Lord. Anybody know that song? Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I just want to thank you. Oh, he's been so been so good he's been so good anybody know that on this morning oh he's been so been so good last time said oh he's made uh, anybody know has God made a way for you oh he's made a way oh he's made a made a way hey I just want to thank you thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you this morning. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, you're worthy to be praised. So we come to hear from heaven this morning, for when your word is proclaimed, never returns void. So let your anointing rest on me this morning like never before. Touch my heart, touch my mind, touch my lips, so that I might preach your word to your people, and then you take all of the glory. Have your way in this place, heal, deliver, and set free. Let us not leave here the same way we came, in Jesus' name. Now let the meditation of my heart, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Now let everyone say amen in this place. Come on, put those hands together. You may have your seats. We certainly give honor to God this morning who is the head of my life. And we want to honor the shepherd of this house, none other than Pastor Donald Gridiron. Come on, let's put your hands together for this great, wonderful man of God. Oh man, y'all, 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 real weak. Come on, put your hands together for your pastor, your shepherd, your leader. While those hands are together, come on, let's praise God for the fragrance of this house. None other than Lady G. Come on, praise God for her. It's always, always good to be home. It's always good to be home, and we praise God for being home. I want to thank my big brother, uh, brother Tim Carter, uh, for inviting me to come here and to share on today. 
Um, just want him to know that anytime he needs me, I'm always available. And I praise God, praise God for him and to the entire Men's Day family. Um, I'm just blessed and honored to have two of the most wonderful people in the world to be named as my parents who brought me into the world, none other than Elder Ulysses Henderson and Sister Ola Henderson. They are wonderful, wonderful parents. Um, I am who I am because of them. And because they taught me, they taught me humility, they taught me diligence. And uh, it's easy to walk um, in greatness when you've been taught by the best. And so I praise God and everything that God has allowed me to accomplish, it has been because I grew up in a real household. Two wonderful, wonderful people. And I praise God for them and I love them to life. My sister's here and my niece is here and just praise God. My brother in love is here and just praise God for all of my family, my, my, my Faith Center family. Good to see so many faces and so many people and just good to, to be here. My wife's been under the weather. My son decided that he would help mom. <laughs> yeah, sleep in a little later, but he also has a couple of big science projects. I'm blessed to have a wonderful son who's getting straight A's. And he is competing in what's called the Bruin Project. So he's teaming up with some engineers at UCLA and they're working on a big science project that they'll be competing on later on in the year. So he's trying to get some things together because he's trying to compete with dad. He wants to be, take it to another level. So I'm always encouraging him to do whatever God has called for him to do. Um, and he'll be preaching soon. He worked on his message and I said, you know, you got to dust off that thing and get it together. So we're going to be working together. And um, Bishop Blake already told him he's going to put him up on a Sunday night. So, um, so we're just looking forward to what God has in store for him. Let's turn to the word of the Lord on this morning. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Going to look at the book of the genes. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. A very familiar passage of scripture. We're going to look at it from a little bit of a different angle this morning. The word of the Lord reads, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field with the Lord, gave, with the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said that thou shalt not eat of every tree of the garden? Woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but the fruit uh, of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, Ye shall not eat of it, Neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. The serpent said unto the woman, Come on, sis, you shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes will be open, and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. She also gave to her husband, and he ate eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons now the thing for this men's week is putting feet to your faith and to have faith simply means to trust something that God has spoken so if you allow me this morning I'd like to speak from this subject the fallout of a failed faith Would you say that would be please the fallout of a failed faith when God created man in Genesis, the book of the genes, he gave man everything he needed, both physically and spiritually, 
not only to survive, but to be complete. For instance, God gave man identity. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our own image, and after his likeness and image, he created male and female. Just as God is one God and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, God, God made man to comprise mind, body, and soul. So we were made in the image of God. But the challenge for most men today is that we have developed an identity crisis. Most of us don't know who we are because we're trying to find our identity in our testosterone. This, this, is, this is men's day. We're trying to find our identity in our swagger. We're trying to find our identity in the number of women that we can juggle at the same time. But, but we have lost our identity because sin has stole our identity. Sin has stripped us of our DNA and because of that, that has caused us to act like we're something that God never made us to be. Men, we can't find our identity in chauvinism and sexism because most men hide behind chauvinism and sexism to compensate for their own insecurities because it takes a strong and confident man to support and uplift a strong woman. We can't find our identity in being hustlers or for some of you old school players, rolling stones. Because a boy can have a child, but it takes a man to raise a child. We, we can't find our identity in pornography and salacious websites. Hello, y'all got quiet on me real quick. A survey by the Barna Group reveals that 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view pornography on a regular basis. But wait a minute, ladies, before you jump on the bandwagon, that same survey found that 87% of Christian women have watched pornography at some point in their lifetime. You have to understand that an unhealthy desire gives birth to sin, and when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. Death in your relationships, death in your spiritual growth, death in your prosperity and peace, death in your health, for the wages of sin is death. And my wages were outrageous, but I'm glad that the check didn't clear because God canceled my check. Is there anybody here other than me that know that you did not get what you deserve? God does not give you what you deserve because some of us are trying to find our identity in Cognac and Andre. You understand that there's some people who are anointed in public but alcoholics in private. Y'all can't get no help in here. See, you can't find your identity in Hennessy. And for some of you young brothers, you can't find your identity in blazing and drinking lean. See, here you are, your pants are sagging, hanging down, hair knotted up, looking smoked out, and you wonder why you can't get a job. Listen, if you have to impress, if you want to progress, and you may not be a pothead, so why do you want to look like one? Don't get me wrong, young brothers. I'm not trying to beat you down and I'm not trying to discourage you, but we have to keep it real. You have to do better because if we don't tell you, nobody will. And how many more mothers will have to mourn over the loss of their sons being gunned down in the streets? Listen, we have to resist the temptations of this world and submit to God because our identity is found in Christ. My friend, my friend Daryl Grant once said that when you're born, you look like your parents, but when you die, you look like your decisions. That's why some of us can be so young, but we look so old because you look like your decisions. So God gave us identity, but God also gave us his spirit. 
Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 tells us that when God formed man out of the dust of the ground, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. This breath of life is the Ruah, which in the New Testament becomes the Numa. In other words, when God formed man out of the dust of the ground, man was just a body, but it wasn't until God breathed his, his spirit into man that man became a living being. When God breathed his breast into man and into his psyche, it refreshed his mind, which helps us to know that when you receive the Holy Ghost, your thinking has to change. This is why Paul says that if any man be in Christ, then he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, your way of thinking has become new. Because the mind which controls your character, appetites, and desires is directly linked to the very breath of God. Which means that as soon as you become a living soul, your spirit and your mind are connected to God. That's why David says in Psalms 41 and 1 that as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul after thee because the spirit controls the mind. Some of us are caught up in some crazy ratchet stuff because you're being led by a spirit but not the spirit. This is why Paul tells us in Philippians 2 and 5 to let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. But when sin came into the world, it contaminated the flesh and severed man's spiritual connection to God. So the mind became a hostage to the body and the flesh which God formed out of the dust of the ground and of the earth to simply be a house for the mind has now turned into a prison. So that every time the mind attempts to connect with God, the flesh always gets in the way. And when the flesh and the spirit battle over for your mind, you have to understand that whoever wins that war wins control over you. This is why the saints used to sing a song that said, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. So God gave man identity. God gave man his spirit, but God also gave man provision. For in Genesis 1 and 29, God told Abraham, listen, he says, you can eat of every seed-bearing plant over the face of the earth. So God planted a garden in Eden and sat man right in the middle of it. And every tree that God planted looked good and tastes good. So God provided for man and gave him everything that he needed. And you have to understand that everything you need, God's got it. If you need peace, he's got it. If, if you need joy, He's got it. If your money is funny, if your, strange, if your change is strange, God can make a way out of no way. Amen. Everything that you need, God's got it. For my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. So God gave man identity. God gave man his spirit. God gave man provision. But God also gave man relationship and intimacy. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, God said that it is not good that man should be alone, so I'll make a help meet for him. From the ground, God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam and he named him. But Adam couldn't find a helper that was suitable for him, so God administered spiritual anesthesia and put Adam to sleep. And as he slept, God performed surgery on him and took out one of his ribs and closed up his side and that rib and from that rib God made the woman and when he presented her to Adam Adam said this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man but notice that when God made the woman he didn't take a bone from Adam's head 
because the woman is not supposed to be above man. He, he didn't take a bone from Adam's feet because the woman is not supposed to be beneath man. He, he didn't take a bone from Adam's chest because the woman is not supposed to be in front of man. He didn't take a bone from Adam's back because the woman is not supposed to be behind man, but he took a rib from his side to symbolize equality, from his arm to be protected by him, from his heart to be loved by him. Yes, God made the woman from a man's rib because the rib guards the heart. That's why women can see some things that men can't see. Because women, God gave women the innate ability to protect a man from himself. Yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes, brothers, we do some crazy, stupid stuff. Now, I know I can't get no amens on that, but that's all right. Y'all y'all know I'm talking right because the scripture describes the woman as the helpmeet. Now, the King James translation spells it M-E-E-T, but it's actually a mistranslation because the word meat is actually spelled M-E-T-E. And that term is the root for the word meter, which means balance. So the help meet actually becomes the help meter, which brings balance to a man. She's also called the Isha, which is the one that fits the man. See, because there can be many women for a man, but there's only one that fits the man. There shall be, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. So God gave man identity. God gave man his spirit. God gave man provision. God gave man relationship and intimacy. But God also gave man dominion and responsibility. Genesis chapter 1, 28, God told man to be fruitful and multiply and fulfill the earth and subdue it to fill the earth and subdue it so God gave man dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing over the earth but notice in Genesis 1 and 26 God said let them have dominion he didn't say let us because if he would have said let us he would have included himself but God also but God said let them because God transferred to man his authority over the earth but with this authority, God also gave man instruction and direction. Because in Genesis 22 and 16, the Lord told Abraham that he could eat of any tree in the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. And so, you know, this is a serious problem for men because we don't follow instructions well. Ladies, have you ever driven in a car with a man and tried to give him instructions? I get instructions all day whether I ask for them or not. See, we don't have a problem with being fruitful and multiplying, but we struggle with obedience. We have a hard time following instructions. It reminds me of when I was growing up because every time my family bought a new gadget, especially electronics, they would always ask me to put it together. They would never ask my father. Because he tried to put things together, and when he tried to put them together, he could never manage to assemble them the right way. That it didn't look like what it looked like on the box. I'm getting you back here. But when I assembled it, I was able to put it together. Now we were working with the same parts, the same tools, so why could I put it together but he couldn't? You see, I was able to put it together because I read the instructions. (laughs) 
But you have to understand that you, you don't know this about Elder Henderson, but my father sometimes can be a little impatient. He didn't have time to read the instructions. He just started putting stuff together. And this is the difference between a God-led household and a dysfunctional household. Because a God-led household is led by a man who takes the time to read and follow God's instructions. A functional household is led by a man who studies and adheres to the word of God. But the problem with most men today is that they think that they can just put a family together without reading the instructions. But you can't put a family together without following God's blueprint for the family, which is inscribed in the word of God. You have to understand that that won't work because God will always give you what you need, but you have to put it together. Reminds me of one day I bought my son a bike for Christmas, and when I opened the box, it didn't look like it looked like at Toys R Us. When I opened the box, a bunch of parts fell out the box, and tools fell out the box, and an instruction manual fell out the box. I had everything that I needed. I had the parts, I had the tools, I had the instructions, but I had to put it together. I had to put the bike together, and there are some parts of our lives that have fallen out of the box. God wants to put us back together again, but we have to follow his instructions. God gives us the parts. He gives us grace and he gives us faith. He, he, we have the tools. He gives us prayer and he gives us worship. But he also gives us the instructions which we find in the word of God. So we have everything that we need, but we have to put it together or before it can work for us. And the problem with too many men is that we don't want to put it together. We want our wives to do it. I can't get no help up in here. And this is no disrespect to you ladies because I know we know that you have us down. You're holding it down for us. But there's some things that God only intended the man to put together. And the truth be told is that we have forced our women to hold some stuff together that God never intended for them to carry. That's why she's stressed out. That's why she's losing her hair. That's why you don't have no peace in your home. That's why she's never in the mood because she's worn out. See, a woman is uncomfortable when she's placed in a situation where there's no direction. Because she was, she was already fooled by a snake the first time, and she refuses to be conned by a snake a second time. Men, God is telling us that I've given you everything you need, but you got to read the instructions. You can't freelance this thing or else it won't look like the family that God intended it to be. Since the introduction of sin, man has somehow developed an appetite for things that are forbidden. And this has destroyed the family. Now we know that the serpent tricked Eve into eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And this tree wasn't even the tree of life. But don't get it twisted. Sin didn't come into the world until Adam ate the fruit. Hello, tell your neighbor it wasn't Eve's fault. No, no, it, was, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't Eve's fault. It, it wasn't Eve's fault because Eve was deceived, but Adam disobeyed God because God gave the instructions to Adam, not Eve. God gave Adam 
permission to eat from any tree in the garden but one. So why do men always want what they can't have? Here you are, you got a wife. She's dressed up, looking good, hair on fleek. And you ain't said nothing to her, but you want to compliment somebody else's wife. I can't get no help in here. Men, you have to learn how to appreciate what you have. Because the grass always looks greener on the other side until you have to mow it. So after naming all the animals and having dominion over all the creatures of the earth, the first time Adam has a chance to exercise real authority over his family, he fails. How can a man rule over everything else but neglect his family? This is a serious problem in ministry because we can pray for everybody else, but we can't even pray for our own household. We can cast the demons out of everybody else, but you can't even cast the demons out of your mind. We can charm the snakes away from other folk, but what do you do when the snake shows up at your house? Here, Adam neglected Eve and made, to make matters worse, when Adam disobeyed God, he blames Eve for it. Listen to what he says in Genesis 3 and 11 when God asked Adam, who told you that you were naked? Adam said, the woman you gave me. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. Adam didn't even answer the question because God didn't ask him who gave you the fruit. He just asked him, how did you know you were naked? And this is what a trifling man does. He places the blame on a woman instead of taking responsibility for himself. But, but watch this. Here's the cold part about this whole thing is that prior to Adam's sin, Adam didn't name Eve Eve. He named her woman because she was the Isha. She was the one that was made for him. But after Adam sinned, he named her Eve, which means source of life. But in the Aramaic, the word Eve also means snake. You missed it. See, Adam named her based on what he thought about her. See, she was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh before he sinned, but in his eyes she became a snake after he sins. Okay, so, so let me get this right. How can one day you say you love her and that she's necessary, but the next day you hate her? Because the Bible tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Even the persuaders had a song that said it's a thin line. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Between love and hate. Ladies, be careful with a man that doesn't love you for who you are, but only cares about you because how you make him feel. Y'all get that in the morning. So Adam thought Eve was a snake. And there was contention between Adam and Eve over whose fault it really was. And there's been dysfunction in the family ever since. Because Adam would not take responsibility for his disobedience. And whenever you find dysfunction in the home, typically it's the man's fault. Yeah, I said it. Men, we need to learn how to get down on our knees and pray because prayer changes things. And things aren't changing because men, we're not praying. You have to be a fool to expect different results doing the same thing. 
Because nothing changes until something changes. And when you get knocked down on your knees, all it's doing to you is putting you in a position to pray. Yes, there was a battle between Adam and Eve and, and you know that that household was not harmonious because you saw that hate passed down to their children. Because as soon as there was a dispute between Cain and Abel, the first thing Cain does is kills his brother, buries him in the dirt, and then turns around and asks, am I my brother's keeper? Because there was no love in that house. There was turmoil in that house. Cain killed his brother because he saw the tension and the hatred between his mother and his father. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we teaching our children? What dysfunction are we displaying in our homes? Arguing, cussing, fussing, and fighting. Don't you know that hate is a, is a learned behavior? It's a learned behavior. And this is what sin does. Sin will tear up a house. And a house divided cannot stand. You see, the real reason why sin came into the house in the first place was because Adam left Eve alone. You may not be able to say amen to that. Just say, hmm. You see, some believe that actually believe that Adam was actually with Eve when she deceived, when she was deceived by the serpent because verse 6 says that she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Some say the with her means Adam was with Eve during their conversation with the serpent. But 1 Timothy 2 and 14 says that Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. And in Genesis 3 and 17, God charged Adam for heeding to the voice of his wife. So the best translation here, or the interpretation of scripture here, is that by the time Eve determined that the fruit was good to eat, her, after her conversation with the serpent, Adam hooked back up with her because the participle um, with her in the text means conjugal bond. So the serpent didn't approach Adam. He didn't even approach Adam and Eve together. Adam left Eve alone. This is why over 70% of African-American children are being raised in a single, by single mothers because the fathers are nowhere to be found. You see, we have a lot of sperm donors, but we don't have enough fathers. And if Adam would have done his job to protect Eve, then the serpent wouldn't have had the opportunity to trick Eve. Men, we have to cover our families. Because this is the type of foolishness that happens when men leave our women alone to raise a household. We leave the family exposed. And I struggled over this concept of sin and the eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil because the Bible said that everything that God created was good. So the question is, what was the purpose of knowing the difference between good and evil? God said the problem is not with the eating of the fruit. The problem was with man's choices. See, Adam chose to disobey God. Let me say that one more time. Adam chose to disobey God. And God didn't run from Adam. Adam hid himself from God. In fact, the Bible said that God went searching for Adam. And even when you mess up, God is still looking for you. Men, you don't have to hide from God because before you were even born, God knew you was going to make mistakes. But guess what? He still chose you. With all of your flaws, with all of your mistakes, God still chose you. 
Sometimes we can't find God, not because he's not there, but because we're too busy running from him. Here in our text, Adam was afraid, and when he and Eve chose to separate themselves from God, the Bible said that their eyes were open, and they began to see the world through a different set of eyeglasses. Now here's a man made from dirt, walking through a garden with no shoes or socks on. Bruh was dirty. When he ate of the fruit, he took a selfie and saw himself for who he really was. He saw that he was dirty. He saw that he was imperfect. He saw that he was flawed. And the Bible said that they knew that they, that, that, that they were naked. I guess they never realized that before. So they covered themselves. Adam was ashamed of who he was. And if you're dealing with a man that's dysfunctional, if you're dealing with a man that's filled with hate, if you're dealing with a man that has anger issues, if you're dealing with a man that can't shake his perversions and addictions, if you're dealing with a man that does not take responsibility, then you're dealing with a man that's ashamed of himself. He's ashamed of his past. He's ashamed of his failures. He's ashamed of his weaknesses. He's ashamed of his proclivities. You're dealing with a man that's broken because he's staring in the mirror and he doesn't like what he sees. The devil keeps sending people into his life reminding him of who he used to be but when you're in Christ you're a new creature you're not the same person anymore and since the fall of man there's been secrets between husbands and wives ever since there's been an absence of transparency because in Genesis 1 and 25 it says that they were both naked yet they were not ashamed before the fall there was transparency nothing was hidden there were no secrets Adam saw Eve for who she was and Eve saw Adam for who he was. All the flaws, all the imperfections, but, but guess what? That didn't matter. They didn't care. There was a time in their relationship where they could see each other for who they were and not be ashamed. Husbands and wives, we need to get back to learning how to be transparent. We need to learn how to love each other for who we are instead of trying to make someone who you want them to be. Because if you can't love them for who they are, you never really love them in the first place. How can you say that you love a man and then turn around and try to change the man? See, and if you change me, then don't get mad at me because I'm not the man that you married. Okay, hello. You understand? There, 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 there was pain in that house. And after sin packed its bags and moved in, the Bible said that they covered themselves so now there were parts of themselves that they were determined to conceal. Even after Abel killed his brother, what did he do? He hid his body in the ground. When Joseph's brother sold him into slavery, what did he do? They slaughtered a goat and they dipped it in, in a robe in blood and they brought it to his father and led him to believe that Joseph was eaten by an animal. And today our families are suffering because of a lack of transparency. This is why the divorce rate even among Christian couples is 50%. Because a lack of transparency is a, rep is a, is a recipe for dysfunction. And, and that, that lack of transparency creates secrets and these secrets have caused a breakdown in the family and sin has not only destroyed the family, sin has disrupted man's worship with God. Genesis 8 and 3 says, that as they heard God walking in the garden, Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of God. Because it's hard to worship when you know you're not living right. It's hard to worship when you're living a lie. 
Because sin and disobedience always severs relationships. Because whenever you sin, you always have to try to cover it up. Proverbs 28, 13 tells us, He who covers his sin shall not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. You have to realize that you can't cover over your sins because it was sin that delayed God's promise to Abraham. It, it was sin that prevented Moses from setting foot in the promised land. It was sin that caused God to permit Israel's enemies to constantly attack and enslave them. It was sin that caused God to reject Saul. It was sin that, presented, that prevented David from building God a temple of worship. But it was also sin that hung Christ on the cross. And because Christ was put on the cross, we now have redemption and reconciliation with God. For there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. God is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And if we want to save the family, we have to put the man back together. I'm almost out of here. It reminds me of a story of a motivational speaker who was sitting at the dinner table with his son. As they were flipping through the magazine, the man put a picture of the world on the table and he snatched a page out of the magazine and ripped it into pieces and told his son, I'll give you $20 if you can put this picture of the world back together. So the man left the room and his son went to work trying to put this picture back together. After about an hour, he came back and found his dad and said, Daddy, Daddy, let me show you something. He said he took the picture and he said, look, I told you, you, you told me that if, if I put the picture back together that you would give me $20. The man said, son, how did you do it? How in the world did you do it? I didn't think that you could do it. I didn't think that it was possible. But since you did it, can you tell me how you put it back together? He said, sure, pops. He said, when you ripped up the world, you ripped it up on one side, but, but what I did was I flipped the pieces over. And when I flipped the pieces over, I saw a man on the other side that was disconnected. He said, and I knew that if I could just put the man back together, then the whole world would come back together again. And if we can just put the man back together, everything will be all right. Come on, shake hands with your neighbor and tell your neighbor, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. So you may ask yourself, how can we put... How can God put the man back together again? Well, the simple answer, men, is we have to man up and turn our hearts back to God. We have to put feet to our faith. God said, if my people who are called by my name will just humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He says, then I'll heal from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. Men, we have to man up. God wants to put us back together again. And I want you to understand here today that there's some men here today that are dealing with some insecurities. They're dealing with some proclivities. They're dealing with some hidden things that they don't want other people to know. But it's not till you decide that you're going to man up and be the man who God called you to be. Everything will come back together again. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. The fallout of a failed faith it was a snake that stole man's faith but today we need to man up to take back what the enemy stole face center there's some awesome men that are here husbands, sons, fathers but we need to step up and take responsibility men 
to be the men that God called for us to be. Genesis chapter 3, we see that because of Adam's disobedience, women are now subjected to birth pains, which means that whenever a man is out of place, a woman always suffers. Men, we need to ask God to give us the strength to do the one thing that Adam did not do, and that's to hold on to our faith. No matter what it looks like, no matter how hard it may appear, no matter what you're going through, no matter the temptation, we must walk in obedience. God doesn't want us to walk in Oscosh shoes or in Carter shoes. Women know what I'm talking about. God wants us to mature to Stacy Adams. Today, God is calling for us men. He's challenging us to walk and to be the men that God called for us to be. But we need a mature faith. No matter what it is that you're going through, you have to have faith in God. Y'all been hearing about faith all week. But it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to apply it. The theme text says, faith without works is go to your job and work and don't get a paycheck. You're going to tear up that place. Watch this. But this is what God is saying. He says, if you exercise your faith, the guarantee is that you'll be rewarded. How many of us would go to a job, work, and expect to get paid? So how can you say you trust God and rely upon faith, exercise it, and not expect to get payback? Tell somebody your payback is coming. Your payback, your payback, your payback is coming. You've sown in tears, now you're about to reap and joy. Your payback is coming. Men all over this building want you to come down to this altar. We're going to ask Pastor Gridiron to pray for all of us men. God would lead us to be the men who God has called for us to be. Donna McClurk can sing a song. We fall down, but we get up. Men, we fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. Because a real man. For the same is just a sinner who fell down. But he didn't stay there. He got up. Come on, help me sing it. We fall down. But we, we fall down, but we, we fall down, but we, for a saint is just a sinner who fell down, but he didn't stay there, he got up, one last time, we fall down, but we get up we fall down but we get up we fall down but we get up